Man, get you somebody who loves you the way that I love this Cavaliers team. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you out there. And welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. And tonight, our Cleveland Cavaliers took on the Chicago Bulls for the third time already this year. It's the 15th time the Cavs have played a game on this day of love. And they had a 6-8 and eight record all time prior, keyword, prior to today's game. Believe it or not. Cleveland has actually played Chicago on Valentine's Day before. That came during the team's inaugural season. Not much to say about it as the Bulls won 108-83. John Johnson and Jerry Sloan, yes, Jerry Sloan, were the leading scorers for each team with 26 points apiece. That was over 53 years ago. God dang. The Cavs have been around for a minute now, haven't they? Uh, Either way, let's step away from memory lane and talk present day, shall we? Now, in the first matchup against Chicago this season, Cleveland was without Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Karis LeVert, and Sam Merrill. But I don't even know if you can really count Merrill because this is really prior to his inclusion into the lineup. But despite being without all of those guys, the starting five of Craig Porter Jr., Max Struess, Isaac Okoro, Dean Wade, and Jared Allen shouldered the offensive load. Max Struess had a great game with a game-high 26 points. Craig Porter Jr. was excellent in relief of the Mitchell and Garland pairing on his way to 19 points, 8 boards, and 7 assists. And Jared Allen absolutely dominated to the tune of 19, 17, and 7. Defensively, they were even better as they held Chicago to just 43.8% from the field, including an absolutely icy 22.9% from three-point distance. They won 109 to 95. In the very next matchup, they had Donovan, Karras, and Sam available, but were still without Darius. It didn't matter much, though, as they won 109-91, mostly behind a stellar performance from Donovan, who totaled 34 points. Merrill also provided his usual sharpshooting, and LeVert was able to chip in 16 points off the bench. They would once again hold Chicago below 44% from the field and to another sub-30% shooting night from three-point distance, this time at a frigid 28.1%. Now tonight, the theme of having players unavailable would continue as Dean Wade and Sam Merrill were unavailable due to, if I'm not mistaken, an illness. Now that said, this was very much a nail biter of a game, my friends. Absolutely came down to the wire. The Cavs won by way of 108 to 105. And by the nature of that win, they moved to 36 and 17 heading into this season's all-star break, which could not come at a better time, in my opinion, because this team, man, they just need some rest. They need to recalibrate a few things. And uh, thank God they were able to head into this break with that win because that should give them confidence, right? We will get to see Donovan Mitchell play for the all-star uh, all-star team in the East, as well as participate in the three-point contest, which should be phenomenal. But as for the game itself, it kind of got off to a weird start. As Chicago would go on an 8-0 run that was finally stopped when I believe, I think it was Jared Allen who actually got the first basket of the game for Cleveland. Yeah, he got a reverse dunk off of a Darius Garland assist, and that got the Cavaliers on the board finally. But, man, this is just one that the Cavs are probably going to want to uh, move on from pretty quickly after a couple of quick 
takeaways. Kobe White, man, that dude, 32 points on the night. He was 11 of 17 from the field, including 5 of 8 from three-point distance. It just seemed anytime this motherfucker threw up a three-point shot, it just you just knew it was going to go in, right? And it came at the worst possible times, especially down the stretch of the game in that fourth quarter where White was able to contribute a grand total of 13 of Chicago's 29 total points in that fourth period with two uh, a three from shooting from three-point distance. He just always seemed to have an answer for whatever run or whatever whatever basket that Cleveland was able to chip in. And for me, you know, as I'm watching this game play out, the one thing that just stuck out to me abundantly is that one, the Cavs, okay, multiple things. <laughs> I lied. Uh, one, that the Cavs are still missing Dean Wade. Dean Wade's absence has definitely been felt these last two games. Didn't have Sam Merrill available tonight. That also hurts because that's another shooting, uh, another very good perimeter shooting uh, specialist that you need to have out there and a guy that is not a slouch on defense either. And then when you look up and down the board, this just was not a great game from three-point distance in total for the Cavs, who combined to shoot a grand total of 12 37 from three-point distance, otherwise known as 32.4%. Not great. Nobody really truly shot the ball well tonight outside of one player who we'll talk about here in just a little bit. But Max Struess, he was one of six and three one distance. Evan Mobley, he did hit a three, which is awesome. His percentages go up. Uh, so, you know, you love to see that, but it's just one three, right, on one attempt. And the Donovan Mitchell was two of eight from three-point distance tonight. Darius Collin was two of five. Karis LeVert was one of three. George Niang was one of five. It just it wasn't a great shooting night, especially in the first half of this game. So, you know, it, it wasn't looking great. But despite that, Cleveland entered halftime down just six total points. And I'm just I found myself completely talking people off the ledge, especially on social media. I'm like, man, if one bad half of basketball is enough for you guys to completely flip the script here. What are we doing? We can't be reacting game to game and just thinking that this team either is a contender or not a contender based upon one half of basketball. At least let the whole fucking game play out before you spew some type of, you know, terrible opinion out there in regards to this team. Let the, let the game finish first, right? All in all, entering that halftime, I'm like, man, these guys have a shot to win this. There's no no reason why they can't pull it off, despite some really, really good shooting from the likes of the Chicago Bulls. Their leading score, again, was Kobe White with 32 points, but it wasn't just him. DeMar DeRozan got in on the action. He chipped in 24 on 9 to 16 from the field. And overall on the night, they were really fucking efficient from the field, 45.8% including 42.4% from three-point distance. They were getting the job done. Very, very similar to how Philly did the other day. And so when you have a team that is shooting this well and you're able to still win the game uh, and hold them under 110 points, I consider that a W within itself because I feel like the Cavs are capable of winning in multiple ways. And if you have to win ugly, you win ugly. And I know that might sound ridiculous, but – that's just that's honestly how I feel. This was not a great game played by the Cavs, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But they were able to pull together in that second half and take home the W heading into the uh, All Star break. 
Now, if there's one player in particular that we really have to highlight tonight, it is Isaac Okoro, who finished with 16 points on 6 of 11 from the field and most impressively, 4 of 8 from 3-point distance. This man is a 3 and D wing. I, I'm so happy that I can say it. He's just been absolutely phenomenal on the season. And this is only the seventh time of Okoro's young career that he has managed to knock down four or more triples. So it is very, very awesome to see that his three-point percentages continue to rise. And when you just think about the development of this man, like the the, the constant pressure that he has had on himself to develop into this 3 and D presence for the Cleveland Cavaliers, it just gets insane because people were so ready to write him off because of the fact that he just wasn't a, a an, an instant prospect that you could label like a, a star right out of the gate. And he still very much in, in many respects is not your, your quintessential star, but he stars in his role. Yes, I know he doesn't average a ton of points on the night. He's never going to wow you in that regard, but he plays some hellacious defense, and he is starting to knock down shots exactly when you need him to. He is now shooting 39.3% from three-point distance on this season, by far a career high for him, and he's knocking down the most threes per game of his entire life. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, maybe maybe that's something that sounds crazy considering he's only knocking down about one per game from an seasonal standpoint but man he has really started to pick it up as of late and i am absolutely loving it because i've been on the Okoro uh, on the Okoro agenda Okoro train since he was drafted and it just feels good to have some vindication in regards to that and to see him develop and thrive this season because he's playing some of the most confident basketball of his career and i think jb is really really allowing him to go out there and just you know play freely if he's out in the corners, he is now no longer waiting for a defender to come out to him, or he's not waiting to for some for somebody to close out so that he can attack them. He is actually pulling up. He is taking the shot, and that is not something that has always been the case. He's been very confident, and that is a lovely, lovely sight. And this is the type of performance from Isaac Okoro that you absolutely need when nobody else is really shooting the ball too well on the night. When you have Struess going one of six, when you have Niang going one of five, when you have Donnie going two of eight, you need somebody to pick that up. <laughs> and for Okoro to be the leading shot maker from distance in a game, uh, it just tells you something, right? Especially if he's knocking down four, you will take that every day of the week. And another outing from him that completely shows his value on both ends of the floor. So I absolutely loved it. Now, here we are with at least six, count them, six different Cavaliers scoring in double figures. Obviously, with Donovan Mitchell leading away, another 30-point outing for him. And boy, did he have some real beautiful passes out there tonight. I just, I continue to be impressed with some of his distribution, right? That some of the facilitation that you have seen from him, it is high, high caliber stuff. And this is why I continue to believe that he is the premier combo guard in this league. I just do not see anybody better than him at being that. That, that quintessential combo guard guy. He can, at the drop of a hat, provide you facilitation and also put the scoring hat on whenever he needs to. And he was just bulldozing through the bulls. No pun intended. Yeah, I, there was at least a handful of drives where I'm like, this dude just pushed and mauled his way through the paint and, and scored at will. Especially there was one sequence in which he just completely shoves um, 
uh, Nikola Vucevic out of the way for a for a layup. Got it at 87. Mitchell. Man, he put Vucevic in the weight room. Yeah, a little shoulder shrug. It must have been a shoulder day. It's just like you should not be able to do that to a seven footer out there the way that you do at six two six three. Uh, so to see Donovan out there starring and and just leading this Cavs team to victory, it's become a common occurrence. And I know a lot of people are like, "Well, man, we gotta we gotta get Darius going. Darius is not having a great game." The luxury that you have with Darius not having you know a phenomenal night is that you can now rely upon the likes of a Donovan Mitchell to completely take over down the stretch if need be. And speaking of Darius, he would finish the night with just 12 points on four of 10 from the field. He did dish out seven assists, but clearly he's still trying to figure some things out. And it was very encouraging his last game against Philly where, you know, he he goes out there and he scores 21 and I think he dishes nine assists and had zero turnovers. And, And that's something that had been really, really been plaguing him this entire season. And to, to see him have a stat line like that made you just feel like, hey, maybe he's starting to put things back together. And then he has a game like tonight where, you know, maybe not so effective from the field, just 4-10, just 12 points. But you can clearly tell that he's still the same type of player. He's still capable of providing that same type of impact play. And he had one of the bigger shots of the game down the stretch in that fourth quarter where I believe he tied the game. And I think Kobe White immediately comes down the court and retaliates. And so that just, to me, he he is fully capable of making the correct play. And he did that. And he also made two clutch free throws on the night after missing a game, a potential game winning three. And so I loved, absolutely loved seeing him do that because it's just something that, Fans have not let him go. <laughs> you not not let go about him is his non-clutchness. Uh, I'm sure there's a better way to say that, but people just don't believe DG is clutch. I know there are stats that kind of back that up, and I'm not going to dig into that tonight. All I'm going to say is that this is a damn good player, and we just got to be patient because he's eventually going to get back to his all-star level form. And I think the thing that's important for people to understand is that he is not. He cannot operate the same way that he did during his all-star season by virtue of the Donovan Mitchell acquisition. It was always going to change things. Donovan was always going to change the way that Darius Garland was going to operate because Darius would no longer be the bona fide number one option. It's just not that anymore. And so I, I, I'm just trying to get people to understand that Darius is – He's had to evolve, right? He's had to adapt his game and adjust his game to fit uh, around Donovan Mitchell because Donovan is a superior player. And when the game is on the line more often than not, you're probably going to want the ball in spite of his hands as opposed to DG, although DG is perfectly capable, in my opinion. And when he has those shots available, those potential game winners, take him, right? And so DG... Not the best game tonight, but he came up big when he needed him to. He he hit that three, and I was mistaken earlier. He hit that three. He took the lead. It was 103 to 100. Garland rejects the screen. Back out top. Six on the shot clock. Got to get busy. Playing with his food over Caruso. And then after White tied it, he, he he drew some free throws. 
and he knocked them down with basically with the game on the line at 103 105 all and that was basically the game right there and so i i remain impressed in certain aspects with him and i think that heading into the second half of the season he really really will put things together so i just urge people please please be patient he'll figure it out he's got it he is a very talented player he's still got the skill set we just got to get him we got to get him going and i think they will use this break to to do just that now another bit of news that we absolutely have to discuss is that Craig Porter Jr. was signed to a four-year contract. It's quite a, a brilliant contract, honestly. The, the verbiage of it is just, it, it's crazy. You don't really quite see things like this play out. And when I say that, what I mean is the actual, the, the structure of his deal is, is, it's not necessarily odd, but it's not something that you look at and you say to yourself, <laughs> This is a common occurrence because it really just frankly isn't the way that they have his deal structured is it's one of the odder things out there that it's categorized as Bobby Mars categorizes it right here. The Cavaliers signed Craig Porter Jr. to a high interest loan type contract guaranteed money in the first two years, but team controlled in years three and four. The last two years are non-guaranteed with no trigger dates except for January 7th. The contract is comparable to Jose Alvarado in New Orleans. 2023-24 is just going to make 1.5 mil. Next season, he will make 1.9 with 1 million being guaranteed. And then in 25-26, 2.2 mil, zero guarantee. And that uh, I believe the the fourth year in 22, uh, 2026, 27 is 2.4 mil and team and no guarantee if exercised, which that's the verbiage of the contract. This is a very smart deal for Kobe Allen for one, because he is able to kind of dance around that luxury tax line. Right. And it keeps. Craig Porter Jr. in town and ready to develop. The crazier thing is, though, is that on the day that you probably could have used an extra body, uh, Craig gets sent down to the charge and he plays and he kind of kills it down there to the tune of 27 points and six assists on 11 of 18 from the field, including, if I'm not mistaken, two of five from three-point distance. So he, he absolutely killed it with the charge today. They had a good game. But the Cavs probably could have used him in this one, especially in reference to kind of shutting down Kobe White's water, right? Turning the water off on him. And I would have loved to have seen that, especially when you don't have Sam Merrill, um, Sam Merrill or Dean Wade available, you probably could have used that additional body. And so that kind of sucks the timing of it all, but still the Cavs are able to win. And I'm happy about that, man. And I, I, I am truly, truly ecstatic about this contract extension because I, I believe in Craig Porter Jr. I think that he is a high level point guard. He's got a future with this Cavaliers team. Now the question is, where does he fit into everything? Because you have so much talented guard depth you got Darius Garland Donovan Mitchell Kers the Vert Isaac Okoro Max Struess figures in there Sam Merrill at points I mean there's I, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody and you guys are probably going to kill me for it but um no I mean there's just so much depth in front of him being able to have him as an available option off that bench if things don't work out with one of those guys is is a phenomenal thing to have at your disposal and you can continue to develop him and I know he is among the you know, one of the older rookies in the league this season at being, I believe, just a month 
younger than Darius Garland. But at this point, it's like, man, this team has been able to find some real gems, right? First, you, you were able to secure the services of Sam Merrill, right? Who was the last pick of the draft in the 2020 draft and was the number one pick by the Cleveland Charge, you know, a few seasons back. And you're able to get a player like Amani Bates at 49, who that, that kid is clearly, clearly talented and he will eventually play a big role with this Cavaliers team. You know, there are countless other examples. You got Dean Wade undrafted, um, you know, and and now you got Craig Porter Jr. The sky is the limit. And I feel like Kobe Elton has done a really good job of finding just kind of like not end of bench talent, but like end of draft talent and undrafted guys. He's done a very, very good job at finding talent from unlikely sources, right? Because who in the hell thought? A, a guard like Craig Porter Jr. out of Wichita State would end up being like one of the one of the best rookies this season when given playing time. I know, you know, off that coming off the summer league showing and you know, preseason, I I thought Craig was the most pro ready of the guys on the two-way contracts. When you're talking about Isaiah Mobley, who's now been with Cleveland at least, at least two years, almost two years now, and you're talking about Amani Bates, right? He was still quite raw. Um, I always believed that Craig Porter Jr. was the most pro ready. And when he got the opportunities to actually show what he could do, he took he took the opportunity and he ran with it, right? He hit the ground running. And so anytime a guy's able to do that, you have to recognize what you have and sign him up. And I know we are all anticipating him to be converted. Um, and and I love it, right? And I'm so so happy that they were able to get that done. And with that being said, it just kind of puts you in a mind space like what could this team look like moving forward, like heading into the future? Not necessarily this year, but will Craig actually be a threat to crack the rotation next year? I do think so. It just who would be who's in, who's out. But before we even get there, we have to finish out this season. And so heading into this all-star break and getting the opportunity to recharge and refresh. I think that's very, very important for this team because they got a tall task on their hands. That's it. When they when they come out in the second half of this season, they really really got to start to gel down the stretch, especially players like Darius Garland. Got to get back in the swing of things uh, and able for this team to reach its apex. And I think they will. I'm just trying to remain patient and just understand that this is still very much a, a, a process. It, it is not something that's going to occur at the, at the drop of a hat or the snap of fingers, right? It's it's going to take some time for this team to really, really put all of the moving parts together. And we've seen them play some terrific basketball. They've now won, if I'm not mistaken, 18 of their last 21 games. And, I mean, how can I really be pissed at that? I... I'm feeling like this this team still is a title contender, and I, that's probably not going to change. <laughs> the 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 uh, you know things would have to really really go downhill fast in order for me to feel any differently than that. I really like what I'm seeing from this team, even in in off nights they're able to find ways to win that in years prior they may not have been able to do. And so I think that that's probably a good way to end it. Uh, with that being said. 
Like I always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to me, you know how you can. It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, to be more. If you'd like to be added to the It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot, a set review to It's Cavalier 53 at gmail.com, and I will send you an invite. That said, go Cavs and have a good night.